You're listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about true classics as they come out. And today we are in the last episode uh, going through all the Best Picture nominees for this year. Today we're going to talk about Sound of Metal. Uh, this is a movie about a metal drummer by the name of Reuben Stone, who relatively abruptly loses his hearing. And uh, we're just going to launch right into it. There are spoilers from minute one of this podcast. So if you don't want to get spoiled, uh, take a minute, watch Sound of Metal. We will stick around for you and be here when you get back. This is the second time I watched this movie, and uh, I, I don't know why I didn't do it the first time like this, but the second time I watched it with headphones, and that makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, Pierre, when you watched you watched Sound of Metal, did you watch it with headphones, or did you watch it just like on a TV? I watched it on a TV with bad speakers. So. Oh, man, you're missing out. You kind of... Should, should we cancel the episode? Like, do you want to come back, and do you want to go give it another watch and come back? I think if I just listen to the movie, I think it'd be good enough. Like, just no video. So I can combine the two experiences afterwards in my head. Um, I wonder if this movie, they should release this movie on, on Spotify as a podcast. They shouldn't do that, actually, but it would be really <laughs> funny. Um, okay. Pierre, today we're going to talk about Sound of Metal. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Sound of Metal? Uh, yeah, Sound of Metal is a movie starring... Um, Oh man, I, I don't know why Riz I started Ahmed. with starring Riz Ahmed. Um, but it, it's about a a dude that uh, he he's a rock and roll player, a drum player, um, and he's in a band with his girlfriend, and uh, he's a recovering. I guess he's not. Rec- is he recovering technically? If it's yeah, he's he, a, he's he, a re- he was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Four years um, sober. And, yeah, four years sober and. Uh, the movie kind of starts off with him losing his hearing uh, or slowly losing his hearing in the first act um, due to, I guess they don't never give a specific reason, but it, they were saying it could have been due to his, due to like his addictions or like his, uh, like something happened to his body, maybe an illness um, or, or, but, or just because of the music that he was playing because rock and roll music is very loud. And uh, basically this, uh, it kind of deals with Rizamet's character um, grappling with the fact that he uh, is losing his hearing, despite it being extremely important, like his band being extremely important to him and just kind of adapting to a, a different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Thanks to, uh, uh, I guess, a deaf community. That's important to say. Yeah, he uh, he ends up going to essentially... It's it's actually a rehab, I think, um, but it's a rehab that's specifically targeted to deaf people. Yeah, I, I mean, which is cool. I've never heard of a place like that, honestly. So I I, I have to assume that they exist. I just never really thought about it. I think that's probably the biggest, the coolest thing this movie does for me is I don't know very much about the deaf community, and I don't think very much about the deaf community, and like there's no reason except that I'm just not a part of that community. And like this movie made me think about the deaf, the deaf community. And I think that was really cool. Yeah. They, um, I mean, I think for obvious reasons, like they don't get a lot of, uh, I guess, attention to movies, unfortunately, just, you know, due to um, like the, the way like sign language, I guess, isn't very cinematic. Um, So I guess it's avoided. I'd also um, say, like, there is one single deaf actor who's ever won an Academy Award. And when I found that out, I thought, that seems high. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of does. I think that's, but that's, that's a really cool fact. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's, it's honestly a pretty, like, it's a straightforward movie, but it's, it's a cool look at, a, at an interesting, uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say cool look, but it's a very realistic and inspiring slash uh sad look at uh you know someone adapting to this lifestyle um but i think this is something that i really 
wanted to see more in other movies that because this essentially like you have when you see when you have movies like Minari for example right mm -hmm. it is a look at that lifestyle um at a, at a lifestyle of people that are having trouble adapting right yeah um but what I loved about Sound of Metal is it was uh, a ref like a, a take on a different way of life but it actually had a very good plot structure and it had very good character development um and that was that's like I thought I think this is what really made it stick out to me compared to the a lot of the other nominees. I think what this movie did really well, and I guess um, I'll bring up what it's nominated for in just a minute. But I'm going to reveal here that it's nominated for best original screenplay. And this is basically what I'm talking about at the moment. Um, what part of what really made it stand out is like this is a movie about a guy. It's a, it's a movie about a guy losing his hearing. But the way that it structures that is it's sort of about it's kind of about him dealing with grief and also having it, it has him go through it really uses the fact that he's a former addict because and this sounds really dumb to say it sort of portrays it's sort of like the movie sort of portrays Ruben uh, that's Riz Ahmed's character like he's addicted to hearing which is a really strange thing to say because like as someone who can hear, I can't even imagine what that would mean because I, I mean, I just, I just hear things, but like he is so, uh, Ruben is so um, pretty much consumed with getting his hearing back that like nothing else matters to him. And so they bring in sort of that, it, it, it ends up sort of bringing in the fact that he's a former addict because it uses that to kind of explain a little bit his approach to like trying to get his hearing back. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I love that. It, it, it just added so much of an extra layer to what was going on. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's very relevant, I guess, commentary just because I think for, you said his name was Ruben. Ruben. Ruben, um, I think for Ruben, instead of uh, like, obviously he cured his addictions to substances, right? Um, but it seems that the movie's implying that he sort of replaced it with an addiction to uh, to the grind of rock and roll, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, like going out all those nights, uh, playing his heart out. Like he he was he. Like it's obviously a much healthier addiction because it's like you know he he was addicted to uh, his his band and succeeding at his band right mm -hmm. um, which is why uh, he has so much trouble I guess um, kind of giving that life up and right I mean obviously like for obvious reasons it's also just because like he he just didn't want to be deaf anymore right um, he enjoyed hearing which is very fair um, but I think it makes. It, it it's not because it's not just a basic it's a not a basic story of just a man losing his hearing it's a man losing his hearing despite the fact that he is a, a, what gives him purpose in his life is his ears basically so it's like there's a lot more to it mm -hmm. um which i which i appreciated and i thought added a lot, lot more i guess tension um and believability i guess to like why he was so um I guess the desperation of not wanting to be in that situation, which we can relate to. Yeah. I would say, you know, if you suddenly lose your hearing the way he did as, I don't know, a farmer, then you're probably, it's, it's probably similarly devastating, but like it would be harder to portray that because I mean, when he's a musician, when he's playing, when it goes from one scene of him playing in a club and like, the whole scene is literally just one song of theirs and you see how passionate he is about that music. And the next scene is silence. It's a lot starker of a contrast. Yeah. Essentially like it, it also, um, it's, it's a lot more devastating because the reason he, or a big part of his relationship with his girlfriend at the time is through the music and, mm -hmm. and through the band. So it, it's basically his entire life. So he's, he's, missing out on his entire life because of his loss of hearing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, it's, it's cool. Well, I guess just to uh, introduce what we're talking about real quick, and we already did kind of, but we're talking about Sound of Metal. 
And this movie is up for six Oscars this year, which I'm going to be honest, I expected when I saw this movie the first time, I definitely expected it to be up for, you know, something like uh, Best Actor for sure, because it's my it's one of my two favorite performances by an actor in any movie this year. Um, And then, like, I'm not at all surprised by any of the other nominations. Except Best Picture. I like it for Best Picture, but this is, again, one of those movies that, to me, feels like more of an indie movie that doesn't really make it to Best Picture. But 2020 is a weird year, so um, maybe that's why. And maybe it's just because it's good, because it is very good. We got this movie up for Best Picture, Best Actor for Riz Ahmed, Best Supporting Actor for Paul Racy, uh, Best Original Screenplay, Best Editing, and Best Sound. Um... Anything else you think it should have gotten, Pierre? Um, not really. Maybe. No, I was gonna say maybe editing. Well, it's up. Uh, for oh editing. wait, no, it has yeah. editing. Yeah, never mind. Um, no, not really. I, I think that's actually a really solid, like all around look at the movie. And sure. I would say that, like, it's a real contender in all of those. I think that it's very good in all of those specific things. Um. We're, we're going to be talking about the whole movie, so I'll just sort of ignore Best Picture for now. Uh, let's, let's talk about Best Actor a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about Riz Ahmed, since we were already kind of talking about him. Uh, Riz Ahmed is up against Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, Stephen Yoon. Uh, what do we think of Riz Ahmed in this? If we, I, guess I, I guess we kind of already started saying it. He's good. Yeah, he was, he was really, really good. I... <laughs> it's kind of a similar situation with Daniel Kaluuya where I've only seen him in performances where he was utterly boring. Um, not necessarily bad, but like you could almost argue boring is, is just bad I would uh, for say, an actor. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't technically bad in Venom, but like nothing about that movie was good. So I that's not really a good look at what he can do as an actor. Yeah, and then same in, in Rogue One uh he was he was probably the most forgettable character in an already forgettable <laughs> cast of of characters so Dang. uh yeah so th- that's all i knew about about him before but i mean he he blew me away in this movie he he had a real uh just raw passion i guess that you could feel emanating from him and um you could kind of feel that internal rage just kind of boiling uh, I mean, obviously there were scenes where it's it's very obvious that he is an angry person, but also he has these moments of calm, but you can just feel that uh, it's inside him, right? And, um, and honestly, it, it's it's one of the more subtle performances, actually, com- I think, uh, overall, but like it is still uh, very intriguing. And I appreciate the subtlety more because I think that shows a better actor in terms of you're able to do more with less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It's interesting you say it's subtle because like that wasn't my first thought looking at it, but it also, but it is like the couple of times that he does go over the top and just gets really upset. Like it's not, it's still not really in your face, I guess. I'm not sure how to say it. Like, yeah. Well, like the, like, for example, I think a great, a great um, scene was the scene where he uh, goes to the, the leader of the deaf community, right? What's his name? Um, Joe. Joe and uh, that scene where he's asking for money right um, mm-hmm. that was extremely powerful and it, it was like he doesn't actually do much in that scene right but just like the way he says it and his body language was just like it, it just added so much to that um, mm-hmm. to that well, interaction that's so where, like that. that's where uh, just to sort of bring it back to screenplay to our screenplay conversation earlier a little bit um that was the scene where I looked at it and I went, oh, this isn't a movie about just hearing loss. This is a movie about addiction because in that scene, he's playing an addict. He's, you know, he's got the shakes. He's got, he's doing almost every addict trope, except that he's, I mean, it's not super in your face, but when Joe says, hey, to me right now, you look like an addict. I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's kind of funny because it it feels a little too obvious to like to just kind of pop up on you in the end, right? But like it actually does. I don't know if that just means like I was a bad viewer or something like that, but like 
though well, when he says that you are you're kind of put into in, into ruben's mind where you're also like oh shit like this whole time it, it was kind of an addiction and or he's treating mm-hmm. it like an addiction right and and it is kind of mind-blowing yeah. in a weird way well i think that's I think that's sort of the beauty of the screenplay and not just the screenplay, but also Riz Ahmed's acting here is that it's so layered because you don't notice that not because it's not obvious, but because there's a lot of other things going on that like are, are balanced so well that the movie never feels like it's doing too much. It's just doing a lot if you want to look for it. Yeah. It's uh, there, there's yeah. I, I agree. I, I think that if you pay attention and stuff like that, there's a lot of um, just so many like callbacks and tie-ins throughout the movie, and like every it's it's kind of like a puzzle almost, where like every scene kind of has its own little thing going on. And uh, I don't know, I love that about it. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, Rezaman was just another piece in that puzzle that really made this movie work for sure. So. I don't know if um, he's going to win Best Actor, but I think he's definitely one of my favorite performances of the year. So Yeah, I would say the problem is that he's up against Chadwick Boseman, and I think Chadwick yeah. Boseman has no chance of losing, personally. But I just recently rewatched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I love Chadwick Boseman in this movie. But I just finished watching Sound of Metal again, and I honestly think that I like Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal better than Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey. There, I could kind of go either way depending on the day. Like Sound of Metal is admittedly very fresh in my mind, but like um, Chadwick Boseman's performance isn't subtle. It doesn't have to be, but like it's a very like theatrical, very grand performance where Riz Ahmed's is not. And in this case, I kind of like. I, I definitely like the more subtle performance better, even though, you know, even though I've I've gone on record saying Chadwick Boseman should win, will win. And like, I don't not believe that. I just wish that Riz Ahmed had a little, I, I wish it looked like Riz Ahmed had a little better of a chance, but that is a stacked category this year. Yeah. I, I kind of, I definitely agree with, I, I think Chadwick Boseman's, character is much more of a here's an oscar role if that makes sense like mm-hmm. it, it gives you so much of like what you need to to get noticed by the academy um like lots of monologues and like big big character moments and stuff like that whereas Riz Ahmed's is is 100 a lot more subtle i think it was the better performance to me um but this might also be because I think just Sound of Metal was a superior movie in so many aspects. So like, yes. it might be clouding my judgment there. Uh, but yeah, I think any other year, I think Riz Ahmed actually could have taken this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough because he's against Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman, who are also Oscar uh, like favorites, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, although I would say for him. I personally see Riz Ahmed as one of like the top two, not, not just in as far as like, I think he is one of the top two performances in this category. I think he's like, if Chadwick Boseman doesn't win, I think the next favorite is Riz Ahmed, even though, I mean, it could definitely go to Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman would be a little bit of a surprise because I don't think he's anything special in this category, but he would like, I mean, it it could happen. It's a good enough performance. It could definitely happen. Yeah, I uh, I think Rizam is probably third here in line. Uh, uh, I, I think he I, I I want him to win, but like I think the uh, the combo of Chadwick Boseman on top, and then Anthony Hopkins. I actually think, even though I didn't love the movie, uh, I thought he he did actually put on a very good performance. I mean, it's Anthony Hopkins, right? <laughs> what do you yeah. expect? He's an amazing actor. He's one of the best actors of all time. So like. It's it's tough competition. It's just like Riz Ahmed. This is his first time too. I think being nominated, right? Uh-huh. Um, as far as I know, so like there's a lot going against him here, which is unfortunate. But I hope he gets noticed and gets the uh, the chance to get bigger roles in the future mm-hmm. from this. Because I don't think anyone was <laughs> calling him after they saw Venom <laughs> for for another role. So yeah, yeah. Um, how about we talk about supporting actor? Sir? So, so for a supporting actor, we got uh, the the category is Sasha Baron Cohen, 
Daniel Kaluuya, Leslie Odom Jr., Paul Racy, and Lakeith Stanfield. This is a weird category anyway, uh, but any, but more importantly, we're here to talk about Paul Racy in this movie. And um, I think that if Daniel Kaluuya doesn't take the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, I think it goes to Paul Racy. Yeah, I. It's this is another case where like almost any other year, um, I think this could have easily been Paul Racy's, um, but Daniel Kaluuya is uh just it it was so much bigger of a performance if that makes sense i also it's a, it's very similar in that i think paul racy's performance was extremely subtle and um uh like i don't know he just made the care it just felt like such a real character you know like it this mm-hmm. felt like someone i would know in person which is ironic because daniel Kaluuya's character is also a very real person and it, they, the performance was also really spot on but yeah it's just it's more subtle I think that kind of hurts his chances, but like I, I loved his performance in it. He was so warm and inspirational, I guess, while also being, I, I think he had that layer of he's been through so much, you know, and uh, you could kind of feel like the pain in his, in his performance behind it. I was looking up a little bit about Paul Racy as well. This is not his, I don't believe this is his first film role. Um, but he hasn't been in a lot. He's, this is his first film. This is the first time movie he's been in in six years. And like he mostly, it sounds like he's mostly in uh, movies that focus around deafness. Mm. I can't really tell. But anyway, Paul Racy uh, was actually in the, he did actually serve in Vietnam and he can hear, but he is the hearing son of two deaf parents. So like, he was specifically picked for this role because they thought that he could bring a more authentic performance than anyone else. Mm. And like, holy crap, did he deliver? Yeah, he, he really did. I, I loved it. I, I actually didn't know he wasn't much like, doesn't, you're right. He doesn't seems like he act that much. He acts that much. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. There was just something about it. I, like there's this little thing I loved about uh, that scene we talked about earlier where uh ruben's asking for money um i don't like this is probably a director's thing or it's probably in the screenplay but that little once ruben leaves he gives that like kind of sigh of like um not it's not a sigh of relief it's like a sigh of like exasp like pain almost like he was holding in how hurt he was by ruben but he couldn't show it you know immediately right because he didn't want to uh i get he, he didn't want to like let his emotions out in like this critical moment, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's, it's stuff like this, those little things he did that were like really powerful to me. Yeah. Right at the, right at the end of that scene, like you can see him start to tear up and it's like, he really did just lose a friend kind of mm-hmm. like the, him and he didn't know Ruben for that long, but like the, the relationship between the two, like feels very real and like very close. And when Ruben, sort of betrays him in the end you you feel you feel how betrayed the guy is yeah it it really hurts and also because the character is just so likable right you can't help Mm -hmm. but just be like like damn like how like ruben how could you um yeah what did you do to this guy yeah but (laughs) but also you're you're also kind of putting like he also makes you see i think helps you see a side to ruben that the audience might not see if mm-hmm. if he wasn't like so compassionate i guess or like you didn't feel that warmth from from him um because like like i think on the surface it's very easy to just see ruben as an asshole right but like his i think his passion the passion that the role offers and the character brings to the movie puts the audience in his shoes a lot of the time it makes you see ruben as someone that is just going through a lot of pain right but we we believe in him just like paul racy's character does so yeah and but I think also pretty importantly by Paul Racy being here, he sort of, he makes it so that this without him in this movie, I feel like this movie doesn't really like would have too easy of answers, if that makes sense. So like at the very end, what happens is Ruben gets, uh, gets implants that bypass his ears and like, or bypass his, I don't remember the exact term, but like they bypass it and he can, 
he should be able to like hear to some degree again because you know it sort of not really undoes his deafness but like he fixes it in a way and as the audience up to that point like we know that's Ruben's goal and then wow he's done it and then Paul Racy comes in and he says hey this wasn't actually a super cool thing to do and this didn't solve anything and like without without Paul Racy there it seems like mission accomplished, but with Paul Racy there, you realize this was never the problem. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. It's just that I think that moment is just really powerful, uh, especially because you're, he helps you see it from his eyes too. that disappointment. You can really Mm -hmm. feel that from him. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I think he might have a chance, honestly, um, just because Daniel Kaluuya's character didn't actually have that much to do in his movie, uh, and and the lack of screen time. I mean, this obviously that's not a limiter because you know I think what what's what's the shortest? Is, was it eight minutes for for Anthony Hopkins in? Uh, oh, I don't know. In Silence but... of the Lambs for like the short that was the shortest screen time for an Oscar win. Um, but it's I I actually think it's possible Paul Racy wins. Uh, be, just because I think Daniel Kaluuya's character just yeah lacks screen time and and might have lacked uh, enough character moments I guess like Paul Racy did so I'd say he's he's definitely up there and has a ch- much more of a chance than uh than what's his name does the other guy <laughs> I'm so bad with names dude uh, but Ruben's character <laughs> whoever played Ruben yeah like I said I think that Paul Racy is number two here like. If Daniel Kaluuya, if it doesn't go to Daniel Kaluuya, I think it does go to Paul Racy. Mm-hmm. I guess it could hit, it could go to Sasha Baron Cohen, but I, I don't see it. I have completely forgotten about Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah, same. So I... maybe that's maybe that is my bias there, but like, I, I don't know. When when did Sound of Metal come out? By the way, was it recently? Sound of Metal came out in August, I think. It released on Amazon in the states in December. Hmm, okay. I, it has better timing than uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and uh, and Trial of the Chicago 7. So that might go in his favor too, just like, or in this movie's mm-hmm. favor in general, just because it, like, it was probably seen at a good time for the Oscar, uh, Oscar participants or the Academy. But yeah, I really hope he wins. Um, I loved it, loved it, loved it so much. And I kind of want to see him in more roles now, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I... I do too. I wonder if he'll be in many more roles. Cause like he's just, he's only been in eight uh, in, yeah, in, so. in movies. So it's weird. I guess it'll be easy to go through his filmography. <laughs> yeah. If you look at his, if you look on Wikipedia at his award, 1985, he was, uh, he was uh, nominated for an award in this, in the play children of a, lesser god when it when it was in chicago mm. everything else is 2020 and 2021 awards for sound of metal yeah wow <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing though like just like what he was able to do with just mm-hmm. a few roles right but yeah yeah i mean he's incredible i would i would absolutely love to see more of them i just kind of don't feel like i will unfortunate um editing editing uh, this movie's great. Uh, I gotta say, though, um, this movie is well edited, and I've heard people like ranting and raving about it. I honestly didn't personally notice very much, which maybe is the sign of good editing. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think it was like, yeah, like, like I, I, I think the best type of editing is pretty like not noticeable. If that makes sense, I, I, I don't love movies that just kind of like do really flagrant editing things like i think trial of the chicago 7 tried to do something like that but it just didn't do it well at all um mm-hmm. so like, uh it's nominated so maybe they did something right um i thought santa metal probably had the best editing out of all, all these movies like by far in my opinion there wasn't a moment for a mo for a movie that was surpri- like ex- was surprisingly slow like um in terms of plot right it's it's a very it's a it's a two hour movie a little more than two hours right it's almost exactly two hours two hours um and like not that much happens like on the surface in my opinion 
Um, especially because I think the first, the first and third acts are extremely uh, short uh, mm-hmm. relative to the second act, but it, it moves so quickly, in my opinion. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like any of these scenes are uh, are dragging or any scenes are unnecessary that I can think of. Like mm-hmm. technically, plot wise, I think you could have theoretically cut some scenes out, but I really wouldn't have because uh, I think it all kind of adds to the experience experience and um yeah it was just so streamlined for a like almost like a slice of life movie if that may like i i kind of want to compare this movie to minari a lot and even nomadland right because these are movies that are lacking technically lacking in plot structure in favor of capturing an experience or a Mm -hmm. lifestyle and this movie does it so much better than they do like so so much better especially the editing because it's not slow at all and it doesn't but it still feels like you're experiencing a vast experience in a vast amount of time. Um, so yeah, it's actually like really, really good editing. Uh, I, I never really thought of it honestly before now. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of funny you bring up Minari and Nomadland there because uh, I was listening to a different podcast that, uh, that we've been on now um, a few mm-hmm. weeks ago and uh, they were comparing Sound of Metal, Nomadland and Minari specifically and just brought up that all three of these movies happen to feature people that live out of their vans <laughs> oh okay yeah that that is true yeah um i love that yeah i think i don't really have anything more to say on editing i think you summed it up really really well uh oh, i think you. i think for film editing i personally wouldn't mind if any of these movies win except maybe the trial of the chicago seven um but like yeah i think i think it it did a really good job yeah i i i feel like there's no way this shouldn't win i think unfortunately like the father might win just because of the way uh i don't know they might they might they might perceive the like the kind of i think to me they're kind of gimmicks that they play um as like really really clever and really good um and to be fair the editing in that movie was really good too but just I uh, I just think Sound of Metal is superior. Um, I think, I mean, in The Father, just about anything that plays into its central gimmick is done extremely well. And the thing is, like, you notice it, but it's not, it's only jarring in the ways it's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is like, if this is really good editing because it's subtle and you don't notice it and it makes the movie flow basically perfectly, The Father is the opposite of that but still good it's like it's good editing but because in your you face. notice it <laughs> yeah but the thing is you're supposed to yeah um i, I also want to say promising young woman's here i love that movie i thought the editing was solid but there was i think a couple scenes that maybe dragged a bit and the ending i think uh was just troublesome in general unfortunately so yeah yeah i mean i'd say promising young woman is a really well edited film is it the best yeah. edited on this? No, not no. probably, not really. Yeah. I love it to win because anything that promising young woman takes away is all right with me. But <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about sound. Uh, I think this movie is its sound. So, like, if this movie doesn't win for sound, I will be astounded. Yeah, it, it's kind of the opposite of the editing, where the the sound editing is really in your face, um, mm-hmm. and I I think it's like uh, I I don't want to say I, I think it's unfortunate that it it could be perceived as a gimmick, I guess, for for it winning, um, but it, it was to be fair really 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 good. I think it really put you um, at least okay. May, maybe this is this is a tough because I am not a deaf person, right? Or I don't know how a deaf person experiences certain things. Um, but I feel like it really added so much to the movie of putting you uh, as close as possible, I think, to that experience that the movie can offer you. Yeah. Well, and also I, I need to point out, it's okay to like say that because this movie is about a deaf person nominally but it's actually about a person going deaf Mm -hmm. and like it happens very quickly like this is almost instantaneous deafness but like when he can still hear a little bit like 
I feel like the sound is important to that because when something is wrong with your hearing, you notice it a lot. I don't know. I, I think I brought this up a while back. I have in the past had hearing problems, only like temporary, like never on the level of anything. I, I cannot relate to a deaf person. I can hardly relate to this movie that much. But like when it, when there's anything wrong with your hearing and that's an important thing to you, you notice it immediately. And like this movie put me in that headspace immediately. Like as every time it's, it's really good about like what it feels like when you can't hear something, because it's never like it's at least, at least for me, it's never like, Oh, I just, it's immediate silence. Now it's more like, Oh, my hearing is off and there's something wrong. And I need to, and like, it's probably, it's so close to being fine that like, it's probably not a big deal. So I can probably just like figure it out and deal with it. And when you can't, it's really frustrating. And this movie put me there like in every scene. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm kind of in, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'm in the exact same boat, but I've had like tinnitus before and stuff um, for short periods of time. Um, and like, it's, it is, it is honestly really frightening. Just the, yeah. It, it kind of brings this like, like as essential dread, I guess, mm -hmm. um, because you're like, oh my god, am I like, like you're even if it's like a, a small thing and it goes away, it's like, it, is like, could I have gone deaf, right? And that's really scary, um, to think about. And this movie did bring back those feelings a lot. Um, so like, not not in like in a way in a way that was like really like, um, like hurtful or anything. I think like, uh, it's possible. Like oh, oh god I, I hate I hate bringing this up but like the uh, other movies I you know I, I think when you're dealing with uh, some pretty bad things I think a lot of movies use it as kind of a as a vice and an over rely on it to bring out emotions. Uh, Sorry, what are you talking about the the sound? Yeah, for well yeah. the sound, but not the just yeah the sound, but like the uh, I'm gonna use the term. Uh, well, what did I use before? Kind of like torture porn, I guess. Oh, gotcha. In a way, like just the like kind of like I I didn't like what they, when they use that in uh God I I feel bad, but I'm gonna reference Minari again. It was just kind of like the uh continuous just beating beating on on that subject of like these people's lives are terrible, right? Right. Um, I think this movie touched on it enough where it wasn't like it wasn't like just depressing to watch. Like this movie had had moments, had a good balance, if that well, makes sense. Yeah, I guess it's a tough balance to hit, but the but I think part of the reason this movie does it so well is like, this is a guy who has experienced something that, experiencing something that to him, like for a myriad of reasons, ought to feel like the worst thing that could happen to him. But mm -hmm. the whole point of the movie is counteracting that. Like, no, this is not, you you are you are in a transitional state of your life this is not a bad thing and like yeah exactly yeah whereas i guess with minari if i'm understanding right what you're saying it just kind of it does kind of like drive home like they something they they'll try and do something and then it won't work out and then they'll try something else and then it won't work out and then someone gets sick and then at the very end they decide to give up all their principles and try something else. And it's like, that's, that doesn't necessarily make the movie bad, but what that does do is like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't balance it as well as the sound as with sound of metal, because there's kind of no good thing coming into that, at least not in that way. Yeah. And I, I also think it just like doing stuff like that, it lacks it, it, it it kind of forces the movie to lack like a plot progression and character arcs, uh, stuff like that. I think the sound of metal does that. Sorry, but in like relation to the sound, I I guess my initial point was just to bring it back is that the like the sound the sound effects I think um, to display what he was feeling or hearing weren't overused. I thought they they found a good balance of that um, because I think like. It, it could have been very easy to just kind of use the sound mixing to, to draw out emotions. But honestly, the, the most emotional parts were the parts uh, that, that weren't, that didn't have any sound editing, if that makes sense. Like they mm -hmm. were just very straightforward moments. Right. And I think that's the most important part to me. Like you could almost, you could almost replace like the, the, 
I guess the, the addiction to sound with like so many other things. Right. And this movie still could have been powerful, mm -hmm. obviously not as powerful, but like it, it was just well, it was, the sound was well used. I think um, this, um, this is where I'd actually draw a bit of a comparison to the father because with the father, like it's central. I hate to keep calling it this, but it's central gimmick in a way is, um, that like he's suffering from memory loss. So it uses the editing and cinematography and film tricks to sort of like show you that, but it's never, and, and, but I think it's never quite clear what is fully from his perspective and what is from someone else's. And so mm -hmm. when there is a scene that is, I, I personally am of the belief that everything in the father is from his perspective as he's seeing it. And I understand that, like, that's a really hard thing to even believe watching that movie because there's some there's some scenes that, like, almost definitely aren't, like the very ending scene. But I think that, like, the fact that I can hold that belief in my head uh, sort of says, like, with the father, it's not 100% clear what is from his perspective and what is from the world's perspective. And to some degree that's kind of important. That's kind of what the father is trying to do anyway. But I think that the, the clear delineation in this is really, really helpful because there's no scenes that are, there's no scenes where you're hearing things as Ruben is and you don't know it. There's some scenes mm -hmm. where like, like there's, there's scenes that have basically no sound editing. And then, and, and like, you know that you're experiencing characters in a world. And like, then there's scenes that have sound editing and it's like, oh, this is from Ruben's perspective now. And I think, and the only time they blur that line is near the end when Ruben is listening to his girlfriend sing and they fade from one to the other. And even then it's very clear when you're supposed to be in Ruben's head and when you're not. Yeah, and they, they did a very good job of that. And it wasn't too jarring if that, like it was jarring on purpose. But it also mm -hmm. wasn't jarring when it didn't need to be. It was very subtle. So, yeah, um, so yeah it was great sound editing. It added so much to the movie. It wasn't overused. I, I, this has to win. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would be very surprised if it doesn't. Even though Souls was really solid as well. Um, oh yeah, Souls is good. It's scary. Um, I, I Soul could theoretically win, but I don't see it happening. I think Sound of Metal is like. I mean, Sound of Metal is a movie about sound. If it doesn't win best sound, I'm going to be shocked. Yeah, it's like they combined the two categories just for this movie to win. Oh, like, yeah. It's perfect. Um, yeah. Um, well, that's that's everything this is up for. And that takes us through all the best picture nominees. Um, we've talked about all of them now, Pierre, I guess. Let's let's do a little bit of a sum up. Like, we haven't talked about literally everything on this list, so we won't go through all the categories. But, like, best pictures. Um, you know what? No, first off, let's rate this movie. And then let's do a little outro talking about the best pictures. Sure. Um, I'm going to give this movie a, I think a nine. I think a nine is good. Um, just really, really solid. It's not, I think it, it lacks a little bit of that maybe slightly creative flair that I, that I kind of love that would bring it to like a 10 or something like that. But it's just such a good movie. I thought the screenplay was amazing. I thought all the acting was amazing. It's also a very mature movie too. I think like mm -hmm. anyone can learn a lot of life lessons from it. And like uh, some of the themes are very like interesting and it's just, it always kind of subverted my expectations too, despite like not doing it intentionally, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, just great, great, great movie. I think tied for my favorite this year alongside Promising Young Women. I, I think I'm going to put it at, I think I'm going to put it at like a really strong eight could go to a nine. Cause like for me, basically everything you said, except I think it drags a little bit in the first and third acts. It pays off really well at the end of those acts. But like the second act is so strong that when the third act starts, it, it goes down a little bit. And like, I guess, and like this movie has the best ending of any movie this entire year that I've seen. So True. You know, it comes yeah. back. It it pays off. Yeah. But I one, think one, it drags a little bit. One thing, okay, the only problem I actually had, I I think about this now, but I have to mention it is that cuz I also don't know if I'm right, but I thought it was a little odd with how the the hearing aids he got, like he he didn't 
think about what it would actually sound like um, or how much it would actually help him. And he was never informed that it wouldn't completely heal his hearing. I thought that was a little weird, um, but I guess forgivable because I can understand that he just wanted to get his hearing back. He wasn't like, and, and especially when you're an addict, it's like, you don't care how or what you just, you're focused on getting it back. You don't like, you don't need to, you don't think about it. That makes sense. Well, he, yeah, he rushed into it. Like it is possible he was informed and I know he could have been informed, but like he didn't care. Like he was, it was probably <laughs> to use a term that makes no sense in this case in one ear out the other when it was explained to him. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I would have liked it if they, <laughs> God, that was actually really good. Um, I think they would have, I would have liked it if they actually mentioned it specifically and then he ignored it. But the audience knew that he acknowledged it, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Which I think would have added up better. But I feel like that's kind of something they avoided just to add more shock factor to when he got the ear hearing aids and they weren't, they were terrible. Um, yeah, because I'm sure that the doctors don't just go in there without letting you know what this entire procedure entails but like it was a shock to him too when he when the doctor told him so look this doesn't fix this doesn't put your hearing back to what it was this just tricks your brain into thinking you're hearing because your ears do not work yeah i think it also puts us in his mind too because i personally never thought of that either until he got the hearing aids and i also i was also like what the hell like why why can't he hear properly still, you know, like, is it really mm. this bad? So that was, um, yeah, that, that's kind of a little pet peeve of mine, but I don't think it like ruins, I think it's a real detriment. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. So best picture, we've talked about all the best picture nominees now. What do you think just in general of this category? Uh, like the last two movies helped give me a lot of hope for movies this year, I think. Um, I'm really happy I ended up seeing Sound of Metal and Promising Young Women specifically. I think they were, to me, by far the best movies this year. Um, and they also bring two very different types of filmmaking to the table. Mm -hmm. um, Sound of Metal is a very grounded, realistic look at uh, at a way of life. And I think it just like did it so much better than a couple of the other nominees did. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I kind of, I really liked that I saw it last because I think it really like gathered because I, I was, I think I was having trouble understanding that, that genre, I guess, until I saw this and realized how good it could really be if like done right. properly. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Promising Young Woman is honestly one of the more creative movies I've seen be nominated for, for Best Picture, if that makes sense. Like it feels, just feels so out of left field, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, and such a breath of fresh air to what we usually see in best picture categories. Like, I don't think it's like the best movie ever, like ever, ever. I think it has some more glaring flaws than Sound of Metal. Um, but it's just so vibrant and so fun that like, mm -hmm. it, it's just, yeah, it's really cool to see in best picture. And the other movies, I'm just kind of mad about, honestly, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's anything bad here. Uh, maybe actually makes pretty <laughs> <laughs> makes bad um, other than make though i think it's it's solid I, it's just very underwhelming for for best picture for sure but it's a slow year so it's fair i would say with best picture there's a i i like more of the movies in this than i don't like like i don't like mank uh trial of the chicago seven i'm sort of mad about and like the rest of the movies in here i at least like and um I can't say that every year. I think last year was a particularly strong year for best picture, but like, I think this year is also pretty strong, but there's also nothing I'm fanatical about the way I think I was for Parasite. Like the closest I get to something I, that I like as much as Parasite in this category this year is Promising Young Woman. And like, it's very good, but it's not, I didn't see, it's not see it in theaters five times good. Yeah, I always feel so like <laughs> like such a basic basic uh like movie fan like oh like Parasite's like the best movie ever because like it was you know it's like you're jumping on the hype train, right? Um but it is it is just that good. But I like to be fair that's almost like a once it's like a once in a decade type movie. Oh, for um, sure. So like it's it's kind of unfortunate that like I think 
this is probably one of the worst years for the Oscars in terms of best picture overall. Um, I think like, and it comes also comes the year after Parasite like wins, right? So it's unfortunate timing, but um, yeah, it's I I I I I do think there's promise in a couple of these movies for sure. Yeah, I think. I mean, I I definitely don't agree that it's one of the worst years because this year has Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, The Father, and Judas and the Black Messiah, which I know you don't love all of those, but I do a lot. So. Hmm. That's fair. I, I think I I, I, sh- I need to go through the the years to just compare more directly. But like, um, yeah, I to to be honest, it's just it's mostly because I was losing hope. <laughs> yeah, I was like, fair. why are all these movies pretty mad until I saw these two? So yeah. Well, I guess you saved the best two for last, then. I really did. Yeah, I'm so happy. Maybe, I did too. I was just thinking, like, when you said we should go through, you sh- you should go through other years. Do you want to do? Do you want to watch every movie that was? Oscar in 1994. <laughs> why 94? I, I don't know. I just picked a number. Is that was Pulp Fiction on you that year or something? Is that why you wanted to do it? I I literally it's... just picked a number, but like, oh, let yeah. me fi- I think that'd find. I cool. Yeah, why not? I mean, we'll think about it. The thing is, if we watch every movie that's nominated for an Oscar, 40 episodes. I don't know if we could do that. <laughs> True. Yeah. It it would be a really cool series to do at some point. And I've started like I've have thought about it because I was like because I was thinking I think I was thinking while we were watching while I was watching how green was my valley, like maybe we should just go through the rest of 1941. I don't think we should, but like that might be a good idea for some year. Mm, yeah. Anyway. It'd be interesting. Check it out. So with that being all of our best picture nominees, uh, all of our best picture yeah, all the best picture nominees. I think the next the next show we're going to do is probably going to be just us talking about what happened at the Oscars because it'll be after the Oscars. And after that, I don't know what we're going to do yet, but might just sort of play it by ear. Maybe we'll have to we might have to transition over into into season 3. Yeah. Exciting. A new frontier. Yeah, absolutely. We'll figure out we'll get a Twitter, we'll get we'll get uh We'll get like a Instagram. We'll start oh, yeah, promoting. Yeah, to do that. <laughs> people are going to look back on, and people are going to look at classic movies live and go, what? There's already 30 episodes on Spotify and 50 episodes on SoundCloud. They embrace technology. That's crazy. <laughs> well, anyway, Pierre, uh, why Jeff. don't you take us out with a monologue? Oh, I was a little boy when I saw Sound of Metal.